This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is five expenses that stop in retirement. How nice is that, that we actually have some expenses that are going to stop? <laughs> I think most of the time when people look forward into their financial future, what they're most worried about are the things that are going to increase in cost. You know, we pay attention to inflation and the rising cost of living and things that we know we're going to be spend money, spending money on, but we don't often think about the beauty of the fact that once we retire, there are some actual significant expenses that are going to stop. So let's talk a little bit about what some of those are. Now, you know, we kind of dream about this day that we can stop working for good. We think about this a lot. We're saving for it for most of our lives. And the thing about retirement, though, is that your your worries about your finances can often cloud your vision of it. And not really knowing if you've got things set up right can often make you feel a little uncomfortable stepping into that next phase of life. So knowing how some of your expenses are going to stop is going to be part of the way that you figure out if you have enough money and have enough income coming in so that you know if you in fact can retire. All right. There are a couple of big ones and there are a myriad of little ones, but I want to address the biggest, the Mac Daddy of them first. So the most beautiful thing in retirement from an expense perspective that stops is that you no longer have to pay payroll taxes. So if you think about it right now, when you're getting your paycheck, you're having a lot of deductions come out of there, right? You've got FICA taxes, which is made up of Social Security taxes and Medicare taxes. Um, Depending on how much money you make, those Social Security taxes may only come out for part of the year or they may only come out, you know, may come out for the whole year. But if you are retiring and you're no longer collecting a paycheck, this big, beautiful expense that stops is your payroll taxes stop. Because one of the things that people don't really consider, you don't have to pay the Social Security and Medicare tax on income that you take from your accumulated retirement assets. You only have to pay payroll taxes if your income is actually coming from payroll. So roughly, you can figure about 7.5%, okay? Now, every every different tax has its own nuances, but that's why I'm saying roughly, you can, you can expect that your expenses are immediately going to go down by 7.5% because you no longer have to deduct from your income for these payroll taxes. So think about that. If you have, let's say, $100,000 of income that you are getting paid from your job, 7.5% of that is $7,500. That is a giant expense to be able to literally just get rid of and not have to worry about paying it going forward. Now, one thing that I do want to say is that If you are a high income earner, meaning that you're above, let's say, around $125,000 of income a year, then of that 7.5%, only part of that is getting paid because 
anything over that Social Security high income earners limit doesn't have the Social Security taxation on it. So it's not an exact science, especially for people who are over that Social Security threshold. But for most people, you can just kind of say rule of thumb, around 7.5% is what you are going to be able to not have to worry about as an expense when you retire. Now, when you're self-employed, you actually have about 15% that you are paying in these taxes. And the reason is when you're working for somebody else and getting a paycheck, you're paying about 7.5% and they're paying about 7.5%. But when you are your own boss, when you are your own employer, that's a 15% total that you are in fact having to cover. So this expense that disappears of payroll taxes is even a bigger deal if you are actually self-employed. So I think that's kind of a fantastic thing. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, a lot of business owners that listen to this show. So a 15% deduction of need in retirement is a pretty fantastic thing. Okay, so let's think about that for just a second. When I'm saying an expense that is that big can stop having to be part of your picture, then it starts whittling away at what it is that you actually need to save for retirement. So a lot of times people think, well, if I want to continue my lifestyle, I need to set myself up so I have the same amount of money coming in as I did before I stopped working. And what I'm saying is that you actually don't have to have as much coming in because these expense reductions are going to make it so that your lifestyle can stay exactly the same without as much money coming in. Okay, so we'll go back to that example of if you had $100,000 of income and you're self-employed, now you only need $85,000 of income coming in for you to have the exact same lifestyle just because that expense is now gone. So that's the way that I want you to think about this as we're going through these examples. Okay, another big ticket item that you no longer have to do once you are retired, is you no longer have to save for retirement. (laughs) And people kind of forget this one. You know, you have a lot of focus as you're getting close to retirement on how much you've saved and what amount percent is being put into your 401k, how much are you deducting and saving. And for many people, especially if you are in that generation of being over age 60, not only are you saving out of your paycheck into your 401k, you're probably saving money Once you get your income, you're probably setting some aside every month inside of a savings account or something like that because that's what you were taught to do. Okay, when you get to retirement, then you no longer have to save for the future because, in fact, you are already in the future. (laughs) Now, this is a huge paradigm shift for people. And one of the things that we see happen very often is that you've saved all your life for retirement. You've, you've scrimped, you've saved, you've made sure you were contributing, and you've been telling yourself all this time, this is money you can't use. And so you're used to saving, you're used to setting aside money for retirement, and you're used to not touching it. Now, when you enter the phase of retirement and all of that flips upside down on its head, and you're actually using this money that you've told yourself for 40 years you can't touch, It starts to feel oftentimes like you're actually doing something wrong, 
like you're being naughty. You shouldn't be touching this money. You shouldn't be spending this money. And a lot of times when we're working with people, what we are hearing them say is, well, I still need to be able to set some aside and save money when I'm in retirement. And you really have to examine that to see if that's true. Because if you do have your emergency funds built up and you do have enough money to comfortably set or create an income stream in retirement, then you have to question your notion of, do you in fact still need to actually save money? So for a lot of people, they're contributing to their retirement plans on average by the time they get to retirement around 10%. So if you are contributing that to retirement and you no longer need to because you are now retired, then that's 10% of your income that you don't need. That expense completely stops. So that's a pretty good chunk of it. Some of you are contributing even more than that. Some of you are doing 15% or 20%. And people are doing catch-up contributions. And people are throwing money into savings accounts to try to stockpile money for their retirement. So when you're thinking about your own personal situation, be thinking about what percentage of your income do you actually save right now. And then that's the number that you no longer have to have as an expense when you actually retire. Okay, so we've talked about two big ones, the savings and the payroll taxes and the savings for retirement. So remember how I said that the savings for payroll taxes are about 7.5% and that your saving for retirement is, let's say, around 10%. If you add those together, you're at about 17.5%. So let's just round up. Let's just call that 20%. Just between those two, it's highly likely that you really don't need that entire 20% of your income. And basically, you changed nothing about your lifestyle. Absolutely nothing. You still have the exact same freedom of discretionary money. Because right now, while you're working, you're not even paying attention to the fact that that payroll tax money is going out the window and that that savings is going into retirement because you're used to it. So going back to that example again of $100,000 of income, if you don't need 20% of that, now you're down to not needing $20,000 of expenses in retirement and you really only need $80,000 a year to actually have the exact same standard of living in retirement that you had while you were working. So see how just those two expenses can kind of stack on top of each other and be a really, really big deal when it comes to planning for and figuring out how much income you're going to need in retirement. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And this morning we are talking about five expenses that stop in retirement. So the super fun part of this is the big expenses that stop, which are your payroll taxes and also saving for retirement. And we covered that in the first half of our show, but that can account for roughly up to 20% of what your current income is. So those are the two kind of big dogs in terms of not having these expenses anymore in retirement. But there are a couple of other ones that are things that people don't really consider when they're planning for retirement. One of them is commuting costs. 
Now, it depends on where you live and what your job is as to whether or not commuting costs are really a big issue with you. But Citibank did a survey a few years ago, and they found that the average American worker spends around $2,600 a year on commuting costs. Now, I believe that that is just the straight cost of commuting in terms of gas or if you're somewhere where you're taking a bus or a train or something like that. But I so twenty six hundred dollars a year is a, is not a you know a small number. That's a good chunk of change that you can have go into your pocket instead of just going out to commuting costs. But one of the things that happens when people commute is they build habits surrounding things like stopping at Starbucks for a cup of coffee or popping into Casey's and getting an iced tea or a Diet Coke in the morning, maybe a donut. (laughs) And so if you recognize yourself in that, you know what I'm talking about. There's these extra little expenses that we spend on a daily basis because we're out and about going to work. And so when you are thinking about that from a commuting perspective, you also get to add that in. So if your average for gas is $2,600 a year, but you know that you're stopping and getting a $5, you know, thing at Casey's general store for a donut and a soda every morning, then that's another 30, maybe $40 a week that you're spending. And that's significant over the course of time. So that's a nice expense that is going to go away when you're in retirement. Another thing that you can plan on keeping some more money in your pocket is actually thinking about your pockets. (laughs) So what I mean by that is clothing. So um, many people um, in professional settings spend quite a bit of money on their wardrobe because of the fact that they're going to work on a daily basis and um, are presenting themselves in a certain way with their wardrobe. Now, not everybody has that. Some people wear uniforms or different things like that, but they still have a cost. So again, there was a study done recently that said that the average U.S. household spends $1,846 a year on apparel and related services. Now, chances are good that in most homes, a large percentage of that went towards work-related clothing. Um, And chances are, if you're a professional woman, my hunch is you might have spent that much on shoes alone. (laughs) But you have to think about that fact that you, when you retire, you're not going to buy as many clothes and you're not going to buy as many shoes or purses or accessories or things like that. You're going to buy some, but it's not going to be as much. So you're probably going to be on average able to spend well over a thousand dollars a year when you retire on the actual apparel that is allocated towards work mode. Okay, another thing that changes when you're in retirement is your lunch budget. So think about your own workday. Many, many, many people go out to lunch when they're at work. They go grab some fast food. They go to a company cafeteria. They go out to lunch with their friends or they buy a snack on the way to work and then they have it at lunch. But the going out to lunch cost is much, much higher when you're actually working than it is when you are retired. 
Now, of course, when you retire, there are going to be times when you go out to lunch, but it's just not as frequent. So when you think about the money that you can save on a weekly and monthly basis of going out to lunch a lot less, that's another pretty significant expense that can stop when you get to retirement. Okay, I'm going to add a couple of more things here that sometimes affect people. I told you this was five expenses that stop in retirement. I'm going to actually give you a few more to think about too. One of them is that we've talked about on this show before that as you get older, the purpose that you have for your insurance programs shifts and changes, okay? So one of the first things of insurance that people no longer need when they retire is disability insurance. So if you're paying for disability insurance, maybe it's through payroll, maybe it's an individual policy that you have, what people don't really realize is if you're not working any longer, then your disability insurance is no longer protecting anything. So if you become disabled after you've retired, your disability insurance isn't going to pay anything because you weren't actually working. So disability coverage is designed to replace your wages that you were earning. So disability costs, if it's a payroll type of thing, can be not necessarily that much. But if you have an individual policy, let's say you were a doctor or an attorney or something like that, and you carried individual disability coverage, that can be four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 a year of premium costs that you can save in retirement. Now, another thing that shifts and changes for the purpose when you get to retirement is your life insurance. So You've heard me say before that there are really three phases for life insurance. When you're young and you're newly married and your kids are little, life insurance is all about protecting widows and children and making sure that if something happens to you as a primary breadwinner, then your family is still going to be okay. When you get into your middle years, say let's say 10 years to retirement and maybe the first 10 years after retirement, you're really in a mode where your life insurance is designed to protect the lifestyle for your spouse if something happens to you. So many people have pensions that will go away if they pass away. Or if you're just in that 10-year period leading up to retirement, you might not have quite enough money saved yet if you were to pass away to let your spouse have a comfortable retirement. So that purpose of your life insurance has shifted in those middle years to be really more about protecting the spouse. When you get into retirement and you're pretty comfortable thinking that, you know, if something happens to one of you, the other spouse is going to be taken care of, then your life insurance perspective starts to shift to that of legacy planning. Are you wanting to leave some type of legacy for children, grandchildren, or charities and use life insurance as the vehicle to do that? So when people get to that stage, Oftentimes their answer of, do you want to leave a financial legacy for kids, grandkids, or charity? Oftentimes the answer is no. And so if you don't want to do that, then you no longer have to be spending the money on life insurance that you were spending before to provide a care factor for the people that you love. So once you've got that in the bag, you don't have to spend that expense anymore. So While these type of policies can still make sense for some retirees, a lot of retirees often kick the insurance, both disability and life insurance, to the curb 
when they get to retirement, and then you can eliminate those costs from your retirement budget. Okay, the last thing I want to just say about people in retirement and expenses that seem to change is your gift giving. So there's kind of an assumed thing that is happening that when someone retires, generally speaking, people in their family no longer expect lavish gifts from them for birthdays or Christmas or things like that. Everybody knows they're not working anymore. They don't have that income stream anymore. So there's kind of a generally accepted theme that maybe, you know, mom and dad or grandma and grandpa aren't going to be quite as generous with gift giving when they're in retirement. So just keep that in mind. Now, it certainly might be different in your family. (laughs) But it's kind of a generally accepted principle, and and we hear that a lot from people. So you might also be able to trim your gift budget or your holiday budget down more than you would have expected to. Okay, so we've talked about a number of expenses that go away, like the payroll taxes, saving for retirement, commuting costs, clothing costs, insurance costs, lunch costs, things like that. But how do you really know if you have the right amount of money and where is it going to come from in retirement. And I will tell you that the best way to figure that out is to come in and see one of our financial planners and talk to them about something called an income gap assessment. An income gap assessment is something that we can walk you through. It's a process we walk you through to say, here's what you have coming in in retirement. Here's the gap between what you have coming in and what you need. And what other expenses are going to go away that you haven't thought about? But what other expenses are going to add in that you haven't thought about? And then what's the best way to structure the investments that you have to create an income stream that comfortably covers all of the expenses, and the lifestyle you want. That is an income gap assessment. So come on in the first time that you meet with any of our financial advisors. There is no cost, no fee for it. We work with people all over the country, so you can meet with us by phone or by video chat that we'll set up, or you can come on into our office. But let's talk about your income gap assessment and what we can do to make sure that you are accurately figuring out what expenses for you actually stop in retirement. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.